Welcome to Tea Time with Chris, a podcast that celebrates faith, humor, and the power of storytelling. I'm Chris Tomlinson, your host, and I'm thrilled to invite you to join me for engaging conversations with people from all walks of life. Together, we'll sip some tea or whatever you prefer and explore life's joys and challenges with a focus on hope, inspiration, and positivity. I'll also share some of my personal stories and some poetry to add a touch of intimacy and creativity to our chats. So join me as we spread love, joy, and laughter with each episode. Welcome to Tea Time with Chris. Hello, and welcome to episode seven of Tea Time with Chris. As usual, I'm your host, Chris. Thank you all for taking time out of your day to join me with a nice cup of tea and some great conversation. I've got a very special episode today. I'm so excited to jump into it, but first, the tea flavor of the week. This week's flavor of tea is pretty unique compared to the other flavor of week. Um, this comes out of Japan, and it's called matcha, I believe. It is made from a shade-grown tea leaf that are carefully grounded into a vibrant green powder. It has a rich umami flavor with a hint of sweetness and a creamy mouthfeel. That sounds actually pretty good. I want to try that. It is known for its high concentration of antioxidants, vitamins, and minerals. Provides a sustained energy boost due to its combination of caffeine. Promoting a state of calm alertness. It is also believed to support metabolism, detoxification, and mental clarity. The unique preparation method of whisking the powder with hot water allows for the consumption of the entire tea leaf, maximizing its health benefits. That sounds really good. I want to try that. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, I am excited to jump into today's episode of Tea Time with Chris with special guest, Tennille Jane. a little bit just a little bit about yourself like just a little introduction of who you are and what you do hello my name is Tennille Jane you're right it's super awkward <laughs> it is <laughs> but <laughs> you'd think I'd be used to this by now but yeah. my name is Tennille Jane and I live alone in Malawi Africa and about seven years ago, I sold everything I had, a piece of land, I liquidated my art company, and um, I came to Malawi. I was only supposed to be here for a couple months, but God had different plans. And now, six and a half years later, I'm still here. So when I first got here, 
um, I, like I said, I was only supposed to be here for a couple months, but then, um, the needs just started presenting themselves in the most tangible ways. And because I had just liquidated my life, I had about $28,000, which I kind of thought my life would be worth more than that, but that's neither here nor there. Technically, by Malawi standards, I was a millionaire. So when somebody needed school fees or medical support or something like that, I could, I, it was like so easy to, to just do it. And then right. six months later, I had negative $2 in my bank account and my first foster daughter and three dogs. <laughs> my oh. mom, my mom called me and she was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I don't know, but I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm done. Yeah. And so I had 34 followers on Facebook at the time. I wasn't very into social media, but then I was desperate. I didn't have a way home. So I made a post and somebody sent me enough money for a plane ticket. And that same day, a kid came needing cancer treatment that was the same cost as my ticket. So I just filtered it through me. And then that happened again, and then it happened again, and then it happened again. And now here we are seven years later, almost seven years later. And I kind of like, people say that, you know, God opens doors and stuff like that. But I feel like this was more like this little tiny, impossibly high window. And it was like, can I fit through that even? And I just... I kind of felt like if I went back to America at that point, it would haunt me for the rest of my life. Mm. And at the end of the day, you have to go to sleep with yourself. So Mm -hmm. it was like, I just, I had a chance and I had this freedom from debt and from owning things. And I think that's something that not a lot of people get an opportunity to experience in life, especially in America, Right. that rat race that we're just ripped into. And suddenly I was on the outside of it and it's so bizarre to be outside and look back. And it was kind of, you know, God was like this, you can do this, you know? Mm. And so I jumped. Yeah. Like why? Like bar. <laughs> <laughs> you did. But, uh, that's that's amazing though. Like I've been following you for a while. I don't know how long, but I know I've been following for a while. And it's been years, I think, that we've yeah, been it's been yeah. years, yeah. And it's been really awesome to like see the things you do and how God uses you just out of nowhere sometimes, just boom, just it's there and you're just like all right, I'm here. It's happening. You just you know, do it. Trust falling into grace is mm. addictive. Because yeah. there's like all these things that the Bible says, like if you give away all you have and you serve, like you'll never be hungry. And I always thought that was like just something religious people said, <laughs> but it's not. It's a promise. Mm-hmm. And when you start to see these promises play themselves out, and it's such a unique, I don't know how it happens for other people, Chris. <laughs> I only know that it's really, it's just, it's it's the benefit of serving a living God, you know? Right, right. So, yeah. Yeah. I know that, um, 
I know it's not the same thing as you, but I know when I went through being homeless and everything, I had like nothing and it was just me and the girls and I was just trying to make it with them and trying to, you know, supply what I could for them, but I didn't have hardly anything, but we did it somehow. And I just remember during that time, just thinking, well, how am I going to do this? Like, this is, this is no way, like there's no way. And then God just comes out swinging and just boom, (laughs) full force. It's just amazing. I remember this time I had, um, when I had first given away everything and it was all still very, like, I felt like I was, I felt like the money that I had was monopoly money. Like it wasn't real money because it's in another mm-hmm. currency. So it's easy to give it away because it's not like real money, you know, yeah. it's like pink and purple <laughs> and blue and green. It looks like that's monopoly money. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but then when it was gone, it was actually though really gone though. Like even mm-hmm. the monopoly money was gone. <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> but what about my real money? No, that's also gone. Yeah. And I, I went to the kitchen to make dinner. And at that moment, because I'm the most irresponsible person in the world, which I think is why God used me. um, I realized that we didn't even have an egg to split between us for dinner. Mm. And I, I had a, my first foster daughter who was 12 at the time. And I went back to my bedroom and I hit my knees and I was just like, God, I have severely messed this up. Like you gave me this nest egg that I was more money than I've ever had in in my life. And I, what did I do? I gave it away. Like I have nothing to show for it. And I felt like a failure and I Mm. begged for forgiveness. And God was like, this is exactly where I want you. Mm. I want you alone, broke in a foreign country with nothing but me and watch what I do. And I just remember crying to God and thinking like, I can't even feed this girl. I'm so irresponsible. I can't even feed this girl who's living in my home. Um, But I can't send her back either because she was Mm -hmm. coming from this terrible place. And in my relationship with God, it's usually just like inklings, you know, I don't, I'm not a prophet. I'm not, I don't, see visions or anything it's right. very normal it's I'm so normal and but this was like an audible voice that I was like mm. don't send her away I'll take care of you both and it was so overwhelming that I just stood up and I dried off my tears and I was like I was just walking to tell her that we didn't have dinner and got a knock on the back door and it was this woman who I had supported her loved one through the hospice process supplying catheters and medicine and things and she had brought her harvest from her from her farm and she she looked at me and she said I know that you're white and you probably have so much food but and this is probably nothing to you but I just wanted to share and I lost it i was like yeah. this, are you kidding? i'm gonna cry right now i was like this is everything it mm. wasn't just the food it wasn't just the dinner it was the confirmation yeah. you know it was that god is really gonna have me he's really gonna not leave me and wherever i am i have his blessing to be here mm. and it was just that was the first like like lightning strike of faith of like oh this is real though god is like really gonna do something though (laughs) 
And man, I mean, for all of the hard stuff, you know, I was talking to somebody about this earlier today. When we, when we get later in our life and we look back, it's like those hard years, we were always like, oh, but those were good years. Yeah. You know, because yeah. those are the years we remember. The like mm-hmm. the comfort years, those just disappear into nothing. Mm-hmm. It's the years that we're challenged and, and forced to grow and forced to lean into God. We're like, oh, that was a good year, though. Yeah. That was a good year. I, I wouldn't know. do it again for a million dollars. Right. <laughs> Did I do that first two years in a foreign country with no money? I don't know that I, if if God would have told me what he had for me, I'd have been like, no, (laughs) you definitely picked the wrong girl, but he doesn't tell me. He still hasn't told me anything. Mm -hmm. So only God Uh, knows. (laughs) What was your, what was your life like before you came to Africa? I was raised in a really small mountain town. I'm trying to think, how far back should we go? Um, (laughs) I was raised in a really small mountain town that's about half the size of this rural village that I live in now. And it is a coal mining town in the very northwest corner of Craig, Colorado. So it's extremely cold, negative Mm. 30 to negative 57 in the winter. And it's desert. So in the summertime, it's 100 degrees in the day. And you just never put your sweaters away. You never put your jackets away all year round. Uh, And it's about three hours to the closest city. mm. So, I mean, I was was almost 20 before we had proper internet, you know? Uh, So I don't know anything about (laughs) I don't know anything. If you can't figure out how to record this, Chris, you're on your own. I make beautiful bricks though. <laughs> That's a good thing though. You need bricks. So. Somebody's got to make the bricks. Yeah. Exactly. So, what made you decide to just go to Africa? Was it just a spur of the moment or did you have like plans or? Well, oh, God is so good. Okay. So, I was a live in nanny for a little baby and, um, in Steamboat Springs, which is really like kind of ritzy, posh place. Um, It's like Craig is like the working community of the resort community. So I lived in this gorgeous resort town and um, I don't have any experience with babies at all, but God was like, I really want to put you here. And so I took this position as a live-in nanny, which was really, because I was doing construction. I was always doing like serving work and physical work and um which is so crazy to me now looking back because Malawi especially the women in Malawi have taught me to be so feminine that when I look back on that I'm I'm just kind of surprised that I got away with flying under the radar for so long but um the babies that I was looking after the two children that I was looking after, they kind of graduated, I guess, out of needing a nanny. And so I was kind of in this limbo place. And then my, my, one of my dearest friends had just moved to this area of Malawi and told me that the internet was really great out here. And so while I was doing the nanny work, this is kind of like a, it's kind of weave it. Okay. When I was doing the nanny work, I was also doing hospice work and, but for volunteering. And then I owned a little art company where I would make um, 
furniture out of like broke down stuff and I would make um reclaim stuff from the dump and stuff it was just a silly little thing but it was doing well but I kind of I really loved my hospice work and I wanted to do hospice full-time so I thought if I got online counseling degree maybe I would qualify for a paid position in hospice and I could just do that full-time and so my friend was like yeah there's great internet up here so when I sold everything, I bought a laptop and I came out here and I was like, give me two months to just focus on this degree. And then when I cut, when I went back to America, I would have this little nest egg to kind of, you know, get a new apartment and, you know, just, it seems like sometimes throughout life, we get these little transition times mm -hmm. where it's, you know, we can, we have a chance to reinvent ourselves right. and, um, yeah, so I came out here and while I was setting up my computer and getting, cause you know, it's like a different phone company, a different internet source. And while I was sorting all that out, I fell in love with this puppy cause I'm a dumb girl. And then I fell in love with another puppy cause I'm just like, I mean, don't underestimate the amount of dumb girl that I am. So I got <laughs> two puppies and they needed a series of two months of injections in order to bring them back. And I thought, I thought I would bring them back to America and train them to be service dogs. And I would just be that, I would take them to hospice, you know, and I'd be that girl with her two African mutts. I had this plan. I had a plan and got here and the internet completely failed. There was enough for like Facebook to like upload and download, but it would circle a lot. It would load a lot but there was nothing near what I needed for an online degree. And so then I was just stuck. I had two months to get these dogs, their series of injections to get them imported. So suddenly I was just, I was living in this little bungalow on the beach with no electricity and no water and two puppies and no debt. And, and I remember thinking, I don't know where it is that people are trying to get to, but I have made it. I'm yeah. there. Like I have arrived. What what can life hold for me now? I really felt like I had no idea what I was in for. <laughs> <laughs> Gone before the storm. Yeah. And then I remember there's no washing machines or anything. So I was washing my clothes in the lake. I don't know, like a whirlpool washer, you know, I was doing the thing, <laughs> trying to, and apparently right. there's a technique and that's not it. Yeah. So <laughs> the women would walk by me and they would just laugh at me and it really hurt because I'm yeah. a very capable person and these women made me feel like such a clown. And so this little girl, one day she would always bring her family's dishes and laundry down to the lake. And so she came one day and I would always like smile at her and try to talk to her. And there was a big language barrier because I didn't know any of the language. And, um, and finally one day she came over to me and she showed me how to hold my hands and how to work the fabric between my knuckles and get it clean. And the next time the women walked by, they looked at me and they were like so excited to make jokes. And they looked at me and one of them said, you're actually doing it. And I was <laughs> like, oh. and the wow. girl next to me, she like got all proud. And, you know, <laughs> she was proud of her Mzungu, proud of her white woman. And um, and I was just so grateful. And then it hit me like a brick across the head. Why is she not in school? 
So then I started talking to her more and found out that her father had just died and they moved in with her grandfather and they didn't have enough money for her to go to school. And she was kind of the workhorse age for the family. So all the dishes and laundry and everything was put on her. So I went to her mom and I asked if I paid for her school fees, would you let her go back to school? And her mom agreed. And that was the beginning. That was the start. And then the next couple of days later, a fisherman came. He had um, fallen in the water and, and cracked his head open on a stone and just needed some just basic first aid. And then another case came needing really just basic first aid. And that just and, and then. Yeah. And then it just went crazy. People, people heard that there was somebody who was doing something and they didn't know what it was, but they, they heard it that somebody was helping. And so, I mean, there were some days in the first year, two years that I was here where I would open up my door at six in the morning and there would be a line down the street. Oh yeah. Like 20 people, 30 people down the street, malaria tests and school fees and businesses and and I was just I was having so much fun Chris I was having so much fun because I've always wanted to do something you know you see these commercials and you see this stuff when you're back home and it's like your heart just breaks but you know how corrupt the system is and it's like I'm not giving you 30 cents a day so you can buy another Lamborghini so you can have a million dollar bonus at the end of the year you know and it was right about the time that all that American Red Cross debacle came out and I was just so it was just so nice to be able to finally do something about it, you know, and I wouldn't change a thing. I would not change a thing. But again, if God would have told me, I'd have been like, no, no, <laughs> totally unqualified for this position. <laughs> or God yep. doesn't call the equipped, he equips the call. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I think he does both, to be fair. Yeah. But yeah. still, I'm definitely on the other end of that. <laughs> yeah. He always uses the ones that people think wouldn't be the greatest or something he always just picks it out ones that just shocks everybody and you're just like will they when it, really when it started when it actually like when more followers started coming in and more um i don't want to say opportunities but like when i started to really grasp what was happening and i realized that i could actually make this a thing um, I remember going to God and being like, I'm, I am not good enough to mm. serve in this mm. capacity. I'm not, I mean, I was raised, my dad was a truck driver, you know, I grew up doing construction and just like, I, I've, I have a mouth like a sailor 90% of the time I'm I I don't know. Somebody has since told me the worst sinners make the best saints. And I think that's so <laughs> true. I am. But I just remember God just encouraging me and holding my hand. And I mean, I can't. That's, I think, one of the things that you and I have connected on the most over the years is just such a such a level of loneliness. You know, when I hear you talk about how lonely you are and that isolation and you're suffering within your isolation and it's like you don't want to bring people into that because that's right. 
it's not their burden. You know, it's not their right. story. It's your story. But at the same time, you want to be seen and you want to be heard and you want to be, you want somebody to um, feel you on that level. And yeah. I remember the, some of the first writings I ever read from you, I was like, it's like, he's me. Like, I feel like he's <laughs> speaking about, because I mean, there's sometimes I've been so, because everybody's dumping their, their load onto me, you know? And I know you're supposed to like, put it back onto God, but that's like a bumper sticker. That's not how human minds and exactly. spirits work in reality. Yeah. You know, sometimes it just helps that i mean that's why we're supposed to be the church is the people is the family that you're supposed to be able to express yourself like that and then to see your soul mirrored in another person is that validation and that like oh god i'm alone but i'm not alone in my aloneness exactly you know and that yeah. was really comforting and i really appreciate how vulnerable you allow yourself to be and even after so many years of going through this you still keep your heart tender and you keep your heart open and vulnerable for anyone to see and criticize. And that to me is like, I mean, anyone can harden themselves because mm -hmm. the world is so brutal, but oh, yeah. I mean, that's the definition of conforming to the world, right? To, to right. go through, especially, I mean, gosh, you fight, man, you fight all the time. I mean, even just, I mean, for your, for your home, you know, mm -hmm. for, for transport, for your health, for everything is just like, I just appreciate you. That's all. Even from Thank over you. here, I'm like, man, there's a guy after my heart. Cause I'm just, it really helps to be alone. People don't understand the level of, um, self auditing. Yeah. That I know you, you, mean. Do, you know, I know exactly what you mean. people who surround themselves. They're not alone, but they've got baggage. Right. But part of being isolated is, you know, unpacking your stuff. Like there's no right. distractions. You just got to, yeah, work through it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I appreciate that. I don't like being alone, but there are times where I enjoy it because it gives me time to reflect mm. on things. It gives me time to think and just pause and just listen. Mm. Just listen, you know, and I like to go outside sometimes and just, watch nature and how it just plays out and just for me it's a reminder that everything that might seem out of control to me it's okay because everything else is in control god's in control no matter what and it just fascinates me to just sit there and watch like the birds just play and the trees just sway and just i just get lost in it because it's just a reminder that you know god's there and it's okay yeah. chris it's gonna be okay well, even the Bible says the story of, of creation is written all over nature. You know, exactly. nobody can ignore it. It's exactly yeah. when people are like, they, they're like, oh, the, the lake is my church. I'm like, I, I appreciate that. The, the church is people, not the building. Mm -hmm. So let's not get confused. But still, I appreciate that you feel closer to God when you're alone than when you're surrounded mm -hmm. by people. But I also right. understand that some people are so extroverted that they they don't feel you know they need that so i just right. think there's room for everybody you do right. what works for you what works for chris and what works for me might not work for you and that's okay right. too exactly yeah, do you thank god because you'd be in africa <laughs> 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 a lot. but if you do end up in africa 
call me. Okay. Uh, I will. <laughs> You'd be the first person. I'd be like, I don't know what I'm doing. I got to find her. I know where to find ice cream. Oh, well, that's a plus right there. That's yeah, it's a drive, right but it's worth it. It's all set right there. Is there anything you miss about America? I miss my family and my friends. Yeah. It's hard because like I've been home once in the last four years. And so my nieces, my niece and my nephew are adults now because that mm. happens. Other people's kids grow up so fast. But yeah, people die, have died since I've been here that mm. I don't really, I don't have to process it until I go home. And then I want to reach out to that person. It's like, oh, no, John died. And it's like, oh, yeah. God. totally because I'm here and you can't live in two worlds, you know? Exactly. And um, people get divorced and they have babies and life moves on. And I think that's what's really hard is you kind of you hope that when you leave, you press pause mm -hmm. and that when you come home, it'll just be the same. And then you're right. like. Hey, can I crash on your guys' couch this weekend? I'm coming through town. And they're like, uh, we're not married anymore and we don't even live there. It's like, oh, uh, well, <laughs> that's the shame because I feel like we should have coffee. <laughs> Catch yeah. up. What's really hard is the people that I that I was really close to. I feel like I'm the same person I've always been, but I think something in them makes it seem like I'm not you know so mm -hmm. when you hang out there's like this awkwardness of maybe not necessarily like getting to know each other again but um convincing them I'm still totally me you know right. when when they invite you over to dinner and then they feel guilty about you know throwing out what they didn't eat I'm like oh I should save this I'm like well I know some hungry kids in Africa if you want an address you can send it to them I'm not really sure what you want from me <laughs> it's fine it's fine you didn't finish your mashed potatoes that's totally fine I still love right. you <laughs> I used to use that excuse as a kid when my parents would be like well if you don't this kid's in Africa that are hungry you better eat this I'd be like all right give it to him take it and give it to him like, look at really me like funny. Oh. <laughs> Now I'm a mom, right? I've got these foster kids that live with me. And when I make dinner and we sit down to eat and there's inevitably at some point in time, one of the kids will be like, I don't want to eat this. And it's like, there are starving kids <laughs> in Africa. <laughs> that doesn't work as well. Doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> just eat, okay? Just yeah, eat. Just eat, just eat it. <laughs> What's your favorite thing about living in Africa? Freedom. Mm. Freedom. Like freedom the way that it was intended. Like the freedom of, first off, I own the company, right? So I can do whatever I want any day of the week. Turns out I'm a workaholic though. I kind of thought if I worked for myself, I'd get lazy. <laughs> but I work for myself now. I wake up every morning at 4 a.m. without an alarm. Cause I'm wow. like, let's get this day. Yeah. It's like, I just didn't realize I didn't like working for other people. Like that mm. was why I was like, why am I going to make someone else wealthy? You know, right. now it's like, I have so much purpose and drive and you know, the people that you're helping and you know, the kind of results that are going to come out of hard work and it's like, it's going to change somebody's life. So it's so motivating to like do stuff in a way that I was never motivated in America working three jobs serving and and um 
hustling for, for cash, you know, just to pay the bills here. It's like my rent is $65 a month. You know, it's like, I mean, we don't have hot water or stove or bathtubs or, you know, a Mm. fridge. We have a little like dorm room fridge that somebody gave us in 2020 when the lodge closed down. Oh gosh. To have a cold drink of water (laughs) is a big deal. (laughs) And, you know, we don't have a lot of the amenities that I think come standard in America. And at first it was really fun, like glamping, you know, (laughs) it's like, I could do this. And then after a while, it's like, this is not fun anymore. Mm. I want a bath. (laughs) I had a hard day and I want a bath and I want to microwave my dinner. You know, (laughs) I want a drive through. Can I just have a drive through? Do I have to cook dinner on charcoal again tonight? Mm. And and then you you get to the other side of that where you're just so used to it that it's mm-hmm. like it's just life like you don't even think about it anymore if you have right. electricity you have it and if you don't you don't so right. when the electricity goes off we do, it, it doesn't even skip you in a sentence you know mm-hmm. but back to the freedom when you buy land here you own it mm-hmm. if you want to build a house build a house there's no, I mean, yeah, I mean, structural collapse is one of the leading causes of death, but still, you can do it. <laughs> you know, that's your choice. But like, it's crazy to me coming out of America, how much control the government has mm. in America. And it's just like more control and more control. And every time I go home, it's like, there's more laws. I would be so terrified as a foreigner if I move to America, because it's just like, you can't do this. You can't do that. It's like, here, yeah. you can do anything you want, really, which right. is, I mean, it's good and bad, but for me, it's great. I didn't know that like, <laughs> like when I bought, I bought land here, it was the very last of my um, money and I've done nothing with it. I just felt led to buy it, but I haven't done anything with it and um but it's there and every year i think about property taxes you know Mm. i think like is somebody gonna come and take this they're like why would somebody take it it's your land Mm. don't i have to like pay for it they're like you did pay for it but like don't i have to pay for it again (laughs) because (laughs) you know it's just it's so it's such a liberating concept to know that it's mine. Actually, own it. Like, yeah, I own it. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. You and don't need you like permits people, or anything. Nope. Wow. Not at all. Which is terrifying. <laughs> but that's cool too, though. Okay, if you want to well, build something, you just Louisiana's like that too. So <laughs> yeah. True. <laughs> well, true. I mean, just the just the the no permit side of it, but yeah, yeah. It's just really. I mean. It's basically anarchy. Like the police are there, but um, it's such a corrupt system, and you, it, it's really so. It's a lot of village justice, which is brutal and swift, mm-hmm. and that's that's kind of. It's just such a different culture, you know. Yeah. But yeah, when I go back to America, I'm like, just the cost, just the cost to feed yourself. Yeah. for a day even simply the cost of rent i can't after seven years here i cannot wrap my mind around a thousand dollars a month for a studio apartment i'm yeah, like crazy 
that's a million kwacha. That's a million kwacha a month for rent. And the minimum wage here is 50, basically $50 a month. Oh, wow. So like, I can't, when I go home, I'm like, yeah, I want some coffee, but I paid $6 for a cup of coffee. Are you kidding me? That's 6,000 kwacha. No, that's insane. I just, that's, that's hard. But yeah, that freedom of like, even like the dollar exchange, you know, like everything I've done here is basically on small donations from Facebook. So, I mean, there are, I do, I love to speak in the churches in America and I do have some that give me love offerings, which is really I mean, the timing on those has been phenomenal, but, um, but I don't partner with anybody. So it's just, I don't know. Well, that's what God says. You know, I've come to set you free. For me, like one of my dreams when my kids are like grown up and on their own is I want to sell everything and get like an RV and just travel around, just travel. And I know obviously an RV can't go across the water, but you know, I could take a ferry or something or get rid of the RV and go over and explore the rest or whatever. But I just want to like see what the world is like. Like I want to see what God created. Like I want to see all of it. And I want to And there's a lot to, to see. Oh yeah. There's a lot to see. Yes. And I know that like like right now it'd be hard for me to do with my kids. Even though I know that, like, it's it possible I could, you know, homeschool and all that. I thought about doing that. but That's a lot. I, oh, yeah. It's a lot, especially when it's just me. I'm just like, uh. <laughs> but um, my daughter's going to graduate next year. And I'm like, we just, we'll just wait. I'll just wait. And um, but I, I just want to, I want to be able to wake up in the morning and not, like, have, like, an American routine, I guess you could say. Like when you wake up, you eat your tea or whatever, and you go and you get to work and you clock in and you work for a set of hours, then you clock out, go do more American stuff, go make sure your bill's paid, make sure you run here to pay this bill and go Go here and there. Go to your coffee shop and fill Uh, up your gas tank and... uh, Yeah, well, you know, like we said, those days, they all just disappear. Yep. You know, those are the days they're I call them non days because they're like, it right. they never really happened. You mm-hmm. get so well, I mean, and that's I think that's the trick of America. And I don't want to sound like a hippie. <laughs> it's OK to be. I love hippies. But it's that like. It's that prison of consumerism because you live in a in a country that um, can't survive without your taxes like. Yep. You have to, you have to make, you have to buy, you have to sell, you have to trade and you have to compete with the market and, and otherwise your government collapses. So you're, you're almost, it's, you're almost set up to fail because you've got a government that says, you know, don't invest in the next life, invest in this life. You know, you've got this kind of Christianity that's like, you know, God wants you to have your rewards now. He wants you mm-hmm. to, and I've just, I feel like that's just so backwards, so backwards, so off the, and, but it, but when you're, when you're, 
when it's compounded on top of you with, I mean, you're so saturated with advertisements and, and um, I mean, the, the social, even the social media advertisements mm-hmm. are just subtle, yeah. but not <laughs> that subtle when you get out of it. Like, yeah. I feel like when I step back into America, I'm being punched in the face with advertisements. Like, what, what is this? It's right. a, it's a world that's built on marketing and medicine. You know, mm-hmm. it's crazy. It's just so, so, I mean, it's the difference between district one and district eight, you know, yeah. I mean, it's my, my sister just had, when I mean, she's not my sister, she's like my best friend, but I could just call her my sister. Cause we're like the only Americans here. So she just had a baby out on this really remote Island in the middle of a lake. And she called me out to be her midwife, which is not what I do. That's a whole nother story. But I was able to leave my house here and go there. She was supposed to have the baby at basically the end of the first week that I was there. And the baby was two weeks overdue. Mm. And I think about like in America, if I wanted to go and be with my friend, not even my sister, my friend while she had her baby and take three weeks off of work, it would be a really big deal here. It's what's expected. Like, of course, you somebody has to go and take care of her, you know, and now I'm coming home to America. My mom is trying to organize her time off so that we can spend time together. And that's so heartbreaking to me because I'm like, I don't want my mom, my poor, sweet, darling mom, who's such a hard worker to to not be able to only see her daughter once in the last four years. I've seen her once like Mm -hmm. And to not be able to take that time off because it's me and just to be with me for two weeks or three weeks or whatever is Mm. like, it's just, it's, it's hard to watch when I've got, you know, like you, you have sorted yourself out, but I know some people that like recently disabled that that, like that transition Mm. between, you know, that go, 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 go to like now, no, be, be. B, B. <laughs> That's such a hard. It's and people they get depressed because everything that you've been force fed your whole life, you have to do this and you have to do that, and now that's taken away from you. Is like, yeah, you're right. You to be able to look at your life and be like, you know what? It's actually a blessing to not be forced into that labor yeah. of. I mean, I know people that make really good money that are still working the husband and the wife are each working two jobs and they're both making decent money and they still can't afford America. When I, uh, when I had lost everything, when my life like totally changed like seven years ago and I didn't have nothing and I didn't know what to do. And I had like this pressure on me, the way you're supposed to live. Like you're supposed to have, this you're supposed to have that and if you don't have this then you're not really living and it made me feel like a complete failure like I was like well I don't have a car or I don't have a wife or whatever and then because I didn't have all that I felt like America looked at me as like useless like I didn't belong here no more like I wasn't a human being anymore you know like I just existed and that was it and it was really hard for me to figure out how to live you know like how to 
how do I do this now? Because I was so used to depending on someone else. And I grew up the way I grew up, like my my family is awesome. Like like my mom is I can't even say it good I've enough. I've seen some interviews mom. with your mom and she seems like a gem. She is amazing. Like she is a rock star. Like she just she would give you anything. Like if it was her last piece of food, she would give it to somebody. Like she just she thinks about everybody else for herself. And I just remember thinking like I depended on so many people my whole life. How do I do this now? Like how do mm. I function? I don't know how to do this because I was used to like like well, my mom didn't do everything for me because I remember when I when I my when I first had the accident. Well, I don't remember because I went too. But you're so from what, I, from what I was told, my mom wanted to do everything for me because you know she's a mother. You want to right do everything for your kid when they're hurting and their bodies deformed and they don't know how to do anything with what they have now. So she wanted to do everything. And my dad told her, you can't do that because if you do everything, he's not going to know what to do with what he has. He's got to grow up. Yeah. Exactly. What are you capable of? Exactly. Yeah. He's like, he's got to learn how to adapt to what he's got and learn how to live with what he has. Cause we're not going to be here forever. Yeah. And I had to learn, you know, how to do things growing up that were different than other kids or, or whatever. And there were times it was hard where, like, I wanted to, like, I talked in one of my other episodes of um, podcasts where I talked about I wanted to do sports and everything like all the other kids, but I couldn't. My body just wouldn't do it. I couldn't understand. It would get me so mad. And so I was just used to having help. Like I would do stuff on my own, but I had help all the time. So then when my ex left and it was just me and my girls, I was like, how do I do this? Like, how do I function? I don't know what to do. And I remember like waking up, like the first morning I woke up after she had left, I remember just sitting, like literally just sitting in my bed. Like I, I don't even think I was in my bed. I think I was on the floor of my sister's house. I was just sitting there and I just, stared at the floor and I'm like this is this isn't gonna work there's no way no way I don't have a heartbreak on its own can we just like back up a second you're already (laughs) devastated the rug's Mm -hmm. been pulled out from your feet your heart is ripped open you know Mm -hmm. you don't want to do anything and most people get to like stay in bed and eat ice cream for a couple days or months me whatever you're (laughs) suffering heartbreak but like for you, it was, it's not just like, I have to get up and move. It's like, I have to now figure out how to survive, how to live, how to raise my kids and how to be a productive member of society and how to like, and it's, I'm just, I look at your daughters and I'm just like, God, they're gorgeous. You know, they're so beautiful they look like mm-hmm. they could be in like 16 magazine right? i don't even know if that's still a magazine but like when i, I was know. a kid <laughs> yeah 16 magazine right. and it only had cute girls like that yeah. and i'm just i'm just so grateful that um that they're yours and that they're with mm-hmm. you and seems like you guys have such an incredible relationship and i don't know that you would have had that if they hadn't seen you pull yourself together and right 
you know, like you must be like such a hero to them. I don't know. Sometimes I, I wonder, like they tell me all the time that I'm such a good dad, but I'm always like, man, I don't know. I could be better, but thank you. Could we uh, not all be better? I think everybody, everybody that's listening to this or will listen to this is like, "Mm, yeah, Yeah. that's (laughs) the human condition. Yep. We can always, always do better somehow. But, uh, you know, I had a, so many, I mean, the, the horror stories that I could tell you about the stuff that I've gone through here just to be here. I've, it's, mm-hmm. I, it's been such a struggle, but yeah, there's definitely having these foster daughters is like, I, I love children. I never, it, it just never happened for me to be a mom, mm-hmm. but I think you learn so much about God and your relationship with God through being a father and a mother, Oh, you know, through taking care and providing for your kids. It's like, you just see, it's like it unlocks so much mercy and grace inside of you for yourself. Like Mm -hmm. not just for your kids, but like to, to see how God sees you and how he can forgive you and empathize with you and encourage you and instruct you and, smack you around a bit you know like it's it's just such a um children are such a blessing Mm. and I have a hard time with a lot of the moms here that you know they don't even know me and they're like take my kids and I'm like what like (laughs) kind of mom are you that would just push your kids off on somebody you don't even know you know it's just I don't I don't, I don't understand. I can't as a, even a foster mom, I, you would have to kill me and chop off each one of my fingers to pry my children from my hands. Like yeah. I am madly in love with my mm-hmm. children. I, just, I can't even fathom life without them. Yeah. And actually today, this morning, I had to go up the mountain to get a stamp from one of the the traditional authority. The senior chief is helping me with some paperwork to file for a permanent residency passport here in Malawi because there's no passport for foster parenting. There's only mm. business passports, missionary passports, which I'm and I'm not. I don't do business and I'm not sent by any church. I just love God because of what he does for me, but I don't, I'm not a very religious person. I mean, I don't want to say I'm a spiritual person. I am, I am religious, but not in the way that I think a lot of people are, but my kids have been such a godsend to me and everybody's like, Oh, you saved those kids. And I'm like, Mm. did I though? Yeah. (laughs) Or was it exactly what I needed in order to continue on? Or better yet, is God weaving billions of lives together and has a way of making it the most beneficial for all parties involved? Right. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah, kids are definitely, my kids, any kids really are blessings to their parents and stuff. not all kids let's be real not all kids <laughs> yeah, a rare occasion, yeah. Yeah. i've met some kids man yeah <laughs> yeah there's That's a handful terrible. i'll pay for that later you can send hate mail to my to my facebook That's fine. 
<laughs> and some mom out there is like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's my son. Yeah. <laughs> but you and I, we both only have girls. But like yeah. for me, I'm really thoroughly enjoying living in like an all-girl house, like mm-hmm. pink and lipstick and sparkles everything and there's nobody there to be like this place is too feminine we just we are (laughs) just stream estrogen all day but you as a single father of two Mm -hmm. beautiful girls i can't imagine you're i mean Uh, from what i can tell and maybe it's not true but from what i can tell they seem like they've got pretty good head on their shoulders so you i think you probably lucked out there but (laughs) I mean, I miss when my youngest Tapua, she's she just turned seven. And I miss when she was the that perfect size and and any parent will know this. When they when they fit your body, you mm-hmm. know, when you pick them up and their head fits perfect here and their little body wraps around you and their little legs just barely dangle and it's like that perfect body pillow size that you can yeah. just you just can't just squeeze them and try to remember that moment because it goes so fast. Right. But then it's like they're kind of heading into this phase right now where it's like out of my lap and, and less like my daughter went to bed last night and she didn't tell me good night. And it devastated oh, me. I would me too. Yeah. <laughs> and I climbed into her net and I woke her up and I said, no, honey, pay your taxes. That's what we call kids. Cause, yeah. Cause I'm feeding you pay your taxes. No, yeah. wake up. So I was like, okay, yeah. I'll pay your taxes tonight. And I started kissing her. She's dead asleep. She doesn't know. It was for me. Yeah. But then there's this other part of me that's so excited to see who she becomes, mm-hmm. you know, like she's got every possible opportunity available to her. And I mean, she has her own fan club. She's She's been with me since she was a little bit. She has an American accent. Yeah. And um the other day I asked her if, um, I can't remember what it was. If I was like, Hey, let's go get ice cream or it was something like that. It was probably ice cream. And she <laughs> looked at me and she said, well, hot dog. You know, it's me, but I was like, I wonder, cause I had just kind of, I mean, I'm 38. I had just kind of resigned myself that I was never going to have kids. So then to suddenly turn around and see, no, she's really mine. Like really like mine, mine. It's like, Mm -hmm. where is she going though? What will she become? Yeah. And I, I know my mom tells me all the time how much fun it is for her to watch me live my life and to be like, I made that. You know, that's my daughter and she's doing things. And I don't know, there's part of me that just hopes that she grows up and wants to do what I do. And, you know, but then Mm -hmm. there's another part of me that's like, yeah, she's got to live her life and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love seeing parts of me come out with my kids and I'm like, yep, those are my kids. And I'm proud of that. (laughs) It's like, yeah. And I, my, my youngest has, uh, has my humor. So we like will bounce oh, stuff off nice. each other. So like we can just make jokes like instantly with each other and just laugh for hours and just make other people's laugh. Like we have that humor connection. And then my oldest, we have the whole science and space and all that stuff connection. So we're like, I can see different parts of me come out of, of my kids. And it's like, this is so cool. And I want to see what they're going to 
do with their life using these mm-hmm. parts of me and then parts of yeah. them too and they just combine it just it's so cool to see things they do because they blow my mind every time every time they do something I'm just like wow you're so capable Chris like like yeah you have hang-ups physical hang-ups that but but I feel like you are you're savvy and you're and you are driven and you can do things but like you were talking about before there's limitations Mm -hmm. and I imagine watching your kids is like watching you know a piece of you without limitations exactly exactly just like yeah run run as hard as you can what sport do you want to play who do you want to beat up (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. and like you were probably the most motivational father because you're like do it do it for both of us you know like that's got to be cool that's got to be a part of a part of like those regrets that you have when you're young you know when you're talking about like you can't play sports because you know of just the way that the, just the hand that you've been dealt, you know, and um, just being able to like watch the product of yourself, like you mm-hmm. made that, you know. Yeah. I know there was somebody else who also made that for you, but I don't want to talk about that. Like, but, <laughs> but like for you, and to see your kids bloom is probably yeah. fulfilling some of that longing of. Oh yeah. Of just yeah. Yeah, like, I get to watch them do things that I couldn't do that I wanted to do, and they do it like, like it effortlessly. Like it just happens, and I'm like, "How do you do that?" Like it's so cool, and it's just amazing. Like I got them uh, when I was a kid. I I wanted, I was always outside, and I had uh, I never could ride a bicycle, but I always wanted to ride a bicycle. But I had like a skateboard and a scooter, but I wasn't like all the other kids. But I still would you know ride as but as good as I could. So for my kids, when we got into the house that we have, that was the first thing I thought of was like, I want my kids to play outside in our neighborhood like I did. And I want to see what they do with this stuff. So for Christmas, I bought them bicycles and skateboards and stuff. And they went outside and they just, they hopped right on it. Like they didn't need time to learn. Like the, like they have a passion to just do things. And um, I love how they are. And they're gorgeous. Oh I mean, and they're just gorgeous. But I don't know if that's a good thing, though, because <laughs> now it's scary. Because Probably like, not right now, but like in yeah. the future, you know, yeah. but the truth yeah. is like, you know, beauty on a woman without any sense is mm. what a gold ring and a pig snout, sure. you know, but they're it's they're not just beautiful because they're physically beautiful. They're beautiful because of all their empathy and compassion and the gentleness you know and that all came from you you know it might not have physically like been inherited but the way that you are with them the gentleness that you have is just I can't imagine a better girl dad you know because you do love to listen and you are there and you want to be there and live through your girls and and experience life with them and that's so huge and there's so many like let me tell you, this might blow your mind. Okay, men here in Malawi have hardly any place in the home for raising children. They're not allowed even at the hospital when their oh, wow. wife is giving birth. You cannot have a man in the delivery room. Absolutely not. It it would be no, no. Wow. And so the men go drinking in town 
And then the women, whether, I mean, if the baby lives, if the baby dies, if the mom is sick, like the dad, he's, it's a celebration for him. And then afterwards, um, it's still to this day, after years of being here, when I see a man holding a baby, it like stops me. Mm. Like it, it's like, wow, good on you. Cause it's just yeah. not something that's culturally done here. And if, if you were a husband and you had two daughters, especially two girls, and your wife left, those daughters would then go to your mother. Like oh, you wouldn't wow. even, you would not even be expected to take care for them or to have any part in their life ex- beyond sending some small support. Mm. So in America, I, I think it's taken for granted that men have a place in the home, in the home, but yeah. If if I told like the Malawian community that you raised two daughters on your own like that, that you stood up and did that, you would be even a hero here. Like the men would look at you and be like, what you did? How? (laughs) And I think it's so perfect because you were like sitting there having nothing, looking at your daughters and and thinking that same thing. How? But then you did it. You know, because the difference between how and doing it is doing it. And um, it's just so far beyond, I mean, an entire culture here. It's so far beyond what is even conceivable. But if nobody's told you that, like, I mean, I'm from far looking from the outside in. And I'm just, I'm so impressed with you and the way that you've handled your life and, and what, you have overcome but also like yeah I mean it's but it's not just about I mean like you said that all happened when you were so small this is your life it's like Mm. it's it's who you are but the fact that you even just to get back up after heartbreak even just to get back up and and invest in your family and um and not just do that but the way that you care about reaching out to other people and making sure that other people are also being encouraged and you know, using what you have, the wisdom that you've been given in all of what you've had to walk through is just really commendable. And I'm glad we're friends. I'm really glad that we met. And I'm glad that um, that you would have me on here. It, I feel very honored. <laughs> Thank you for agreeing to do this. I'm glad we've met and it's been awesome. Like you have been and a huge encouragement to me when I've watched all the stuff that you go through and the stuff you do and I hope that I become an impact on people like you do like I want to help people like you do and I've messaged you before on some of my harder days and like sometimes I'm having a hard day but then I also like you'll make a post and it's also you're having a really hard day but your hard day is like worse than my hard day <laughs> like <laughs> and I'm over here you know, and trying to encourage people, but I'm like, who's encouraging me? And mm-hmm. you, you definitely encourage me. And every time I've ever talked to you, you're always so thoughtful and you always take the time to, to message me back. And, um, yeah, it's just, you know, it's really hard to find normal people, you know, yeah. people are just really bizarre. <laughs> really hard to find somebody who's not afraid of themselves. Who's not mm-hmm. afraid of, I mean, 
you probably see yourself differently. But when I look at you, I see somebody who's just really fearless, mm-hmm. you know, maybe not fearless, but courageous. Like you may, maybe you have reservations, but you still get up and push through. And, you know, there was, um, you were going through some stuff earlier. I guess it would be a while ago now from the Island that I was disappeared for three weeks. <laughs> so things are farther now away than they were before I left. <laughs> but, um, you were you were having an issue of bleeding, remember? Yeah. And you were yeah. like, I woke up in a pool of blood this morning and I was like, Chris, that's not normal. What do you yeah. do at night? What are you doing? <laughs> You're like, no, it's just a tiny skin tear. It just yeah. won't stop bleeding. And I'm like, well, get to have you tried cotton? Like, what are you doing <laughs> about the situation? And it was like days. It went on for a long time and it was just like, I couldn't imagine waking up in a puddle of blood. I was like, oh my God, Chris, yeah, stop. That was, that was terrifying. That was my first time hearing something like that. Like I've had in the past, like different things happen to me, but like that was my first time waking up in a puddle of my own blood. And it wasn't just a little, like it was a lot. And yeah, the way you described it, I was like, this is a horror movie. Yeah, this I had pictures of it. Horror movie. <laughs> I took pictures of it because I was shocked that I was still alive. And I felt very weak when I woke up, very weak. <laughs> and my daughter came in because we have a routine where like every morning um, my alarm will go off and I'll make sure she's awake. She's getting ready for school. And then I'll go back in my room and just like I'll sit and like pray for a little bit or I'll just sit and just wait for her to get ready or something. Let her do her thing. Yeah. yeah. Smart, and man. Then, and then she'll come in my room and be like, okay, we're ready to go. And when she came in and saw the the blood, she's like, dad, are you okay? And I'm like, I think so. I don't know. Just a murder, honey. Go back to bed. <laughs> she like freaked out because she's like, it's everywhere. And I'm like, yeah, it's it's going to be okay. It was, she like, it's cool that my kids know how my body works because they used to it. Right. So she yeah. knew exactly what to do. Like she I ran. used to watch to waking up in a puddle of blood, but yeah, she probably <laughs> well, they weren't. More she wasn't used. She wasn't used to the pile, the puddle of blood, but she was used to you know, if Dad got a cut or whatever, this is what we got to do. So she like, like yeah. I have this medical box, like <laughs> just a box filled with medical supplies, like bandages and just random stuff. But she runs to it and starts grabbing stuff. Comes in and starts wiping my arm up and wrapping it up and everything. And I don't tell her anything to do. And I'm just sitting there watching her in amazement. I'm just like, this is my kid. Like, she knows how to do all this stuff. This is awesome. And and it reminded me because it was like, God was like, yeah, see, I told you I'd have someone to help you. I'd have people to take care of you, even when you thought you didn't have nobody. And it's, it's amazing. My kids are so much help to me. It's ridiculous, like crazy. And I'll, sometimes I'll feel bad because I'm like, my kids don't live. A normal life like other kids do they've had to grow up faster than other kids i don't know that that's true listen <laughs> you know i think kids in america um these days aren't asked to grow up at all true. and what you've done is given them purpose beyond themselves which is yeah. probably instilled inside of them compassion and empathy and a level that most kids won't have right. and when you give your kids compassion and empathy you make them good people 
And mm. when you're a good people, your life is full of opportunity and friendships that last and relationships that last. And when you when you instill in your kids selfishness and entitlement, they you're guaranteeing that they won't have a friend for the rest of their life because right. ain't nobody going to put up with that. Right. You know, so it, I mean, on one hand, I can understand like I feel I feel guilty when I have to be taken care of because I'm the one who takes care, you know, exactly. like it's hard for me to allow somebody to do something for me. But like this morning, I looked at I was I was I'm frantically finishing up this letter to the chiefs and I've got to go to town and print it and go up to this meeting. And I'm just my mind is just so consumed with all the what ifs of it, how I mean, because it's like worst case scenario is where I always go. Like, what's the worst case scenario if I approach immigration and I ask them to grant me a permanent residency passport um, without getting married, without, you know, um, they, they require 10,000 U.S. dollars and 40,000 in your bank account to prove that you can mm -hmm. like survive here yeah. without being a burden on to the society. And so I've never had that. I've never mm. had that. So it was, it, but the like worst case scenario, they could tell me to leave yeah, and, and take my kids and take this whole life from me like that. That's worst mm. case scenario. That's pretty bad. I don't want to cry yeah. about it right now. It's not going to happen. My mind goes, oh, now I'm doing it again. I know what you mean. I'm back down. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Is, but then this is. morning, I was like, Tapiwa came in. She's seven now. She just turned seven. And um, she's so independent because I, I was never supposed to be a mom. So I raised them to be super independent mm -hmm. because I can't. I am busy. Like, this is what I have to offer. Dress yourself, bath yourself, yeah. learn how to use the toilet at one years old. Like, here's a stool, like figure it out. Yeah. And so Tapiwa was really taken to that style of instruction and it was so wonderful this morning. I was, I, I was just so stressed out. And she came and she gave me a big hug. Good morning, mom. And I was like, Hey, good morning. And she's like, she, she was just standing there looking at me. Like, I just looked at her and I said, can you go make mommy a cup of coffee? <laughs> Which means you have to start the gas cooker and get the kettle on there and like and put it all together. Yeah. And she did. And she brought it to me. It was terrible, but it was right. so wonderful because I was right. like, just such a, just to have somebody with you, mm -hmm. you know, even if their coffee is awful, just to have somebody in it with you is such a blessing. And I yeah. think that you're not a burden to your children. You are teaching them something that is so beyond, you know, mm -hmm. and sometimes I wish I could be that mom because I'm a single mom too. And like, not that you're a single mom, but I'm a single parent as yeah. well. And you feel like you do have to rely on them for, for things because you're a unit, you know, exactly. And and when we had Regina came in and she was 12 and it was like, this is a lot now. This is a lot because I don't have help. And so I sat them all. I sat us, the three of us down and I said, listen, this house is our house. It's not my house that you live in. This is our house. And we are going to if we're going to do this, we're going to do it together. So you pick where you what corner you can hold up and I'll hold up 
the bulk of it and you take care of this and you take care of that. We're going to work together as a unit because that's the only way this can work. I feel like giving your kids purpose and not purpose that's like, I'm giving you this because I can and I want you to have it, but giving it to them and explaining to them, no, I need you. Mm-hmm. I need your help. I need this house needs you. This family needs you. It's like it gives them also purpose and drive and right. responsibility and something greater than themselves. And yeah, I just, I I can, it's, it's visible all the way from the other side of the world. The impact that you've had on your daughter's lives is really lovely. And I'm sure they have their moments. Oh yeah. They have their moments. <laughs> all kids do. All kids do. They have them. Like I remind myself a lot of times when, when they do slip up, I have to, well, I don't have to, I just, it just happens where I remind myself, remember how you were at that age, Chris, remember what you were thinking and remember. I don't believe on. that for a second. I don't <laughs> believe you had anything but holy, lovely yeah, thoughts. I was, in your I was an angel. I was an angel. Yep. <laughs> My mom never had any issues with me ever. <laughs> can we three-way call her or oh, she's busy <laughs> another she's time, too busy another time. She, 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 she's too busy <laughs> <laughs> how convenient yeah <laughs> but uh yeah i i will remind myself like just remember their kids but you do have to teach them and show them but do it in a loving compassionate way don't don't jump when down their throat can. when yes. you can Sometimes. when you can yes you just yes. gotta say, where is your mind right now? Exactly. Where is it? Could you go back into your bed, hold <laughs> back the covers, and find the mind you left there? Oh yeah. You know that's the thing about being a parent is that like, it's all my stuff that gets broken. <laughs> you know, yes. like that's not right. fair. Like exactly. I have to start over because you're learning. That seems mm-hmm. that seems like we they didn't tell you they don't tell you that. Like no. how many times your heart has to break because you're their practice person, oh, you yeah. know, to learn empathy and sympathy and all that stuff. Like you're the one that, that has to teach that and to teach yeah. that is not something you can talk about. It's something right. that you have to, you have to hurt for. Yes. Yep. You have to go through it. Like I remember reading parts where like some parts of Africa is like villages and then other parts is like cities, like skyscrapers and stuff and it was just mind-blowing to me like I thought it was fascinating and well like it's funny to me because I always when I pictured Africa I pictured jungle but I think most people most people pictured desert because you know the whole top big bulb is you know you think I I don't think a lot of people think Egypt you know but Egypt is a huge part of Africa and that's so um westernized and so developed that it's very different and then you have you know places like south africa that are civil war you know between um races and just i mean i have no desire to go to south africa it's so dangerous and it's so um it's just a it's just a mess right now and then you've got you know Tanzania, which is like, you know, the traditional National Geographic Africa. But the truth is, there's so many people that 
there's really only reserves left, you know, there's not that, that national geographic doesn't exist in the way that I thought it was when I thought I was coming here, I thought I would be really rural, you know, I, I was expecting like village life and, and I get, and it is, I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm just so used to it that it doesn't come off to me like that anymore. But I remember when I went to the city, which is an hour away from here and there's a shop right there. Do you know shop, right? It's kind of like Kroger's or, you know, Walmart mixed together not as much Walmart. It's more of a grocery store, but they right. do have like kitchen stuff and stuff. And when I walked in, I was just like, half of me was very excited because I was like, cheese, <laughs> proverb, like yogurt. Like I, it had been a long time since I had had something like that. And then the other half of me was so sad because I realized that there's just not a lot left to discover in this world, you know? Mm. And the way that people here lean into Western culture. And let me just, let me say this. We have a tendency as humans to worship what we don't understand. Mm-hmm. Like things that are so different, we have a, a tendency to worship them or think that God is more there because it's, because we know what we know and, and God's not there. So mm-hmm. when we get in a situation where it's just so different that we can't wrap our minds around, it's easier to think that God is in that right. until you peel it back and realize that people are people everywhere you go. Right. And being here has really taught me that, um, yeah, like there's a lot of corruption and stuff and it's different living in a patriarchal society. And, um, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of things, but for as many people that would rob you, there's just as many people who would take you in. It's just like America, you know, Mm -hmm. for as many people as would rob you in an alley, there's just as many people who would give you a dollar if you asked them, you know, it's just so, there's only so many varieties of people, you know, and that's just true here as it is anywhere else. There's some things that are shockingly different, but when you get used to that and you can remove that from your, from your front mind, then it's like, Oh, but we're all just people. We're all just trying to figure it out. Like doesn't matter how you dress or what your skin color is or anything. And the struggles here are relatively the same as the struggles back home. You know, everybody's just trying to pay their rent and feed their kids and provide maybe some sort of a pleasure, some sort of a luxury throughout life. You know, it's just, we're all just in the same box, you know, and you know, what really leveled the playing field for me in world travel and different cultures and things like that and this is going to sound terrible, but the thing that really brought it, brought it down to ground level for me was cancer Mm. because I've buried so many people in America with cancer and I've buried so many people here with cancer and it's just the same. Yeah. You know, like it's just the same degrading horror story you know, and the, the fears and the concerns and the pain is all exactly the same that it, it just, it, it, 
I don't want to say it took the magic out of Africa for me. Cancer has a way of taking magic out of everything. Anything, <laughs> yeah. It really, it kind of bridged two worlds for me. Like I always felt like I was living half my life there and half my life here. And now I'm like, no, it's really just life. Yeah. It's really not as exciting. I mean, like you said, like you want to get a van and travel the world and see all there is to see. And it's beautiful. I mean, there's definitely things to see. And I'm always, whenever God gives me a, a view that takes my breath away, like I'll sit for an entire day and just like yeah. admire the glory of it. You know, yeah. I mean, there are things to see. There are things to see. But that's probably my greatest shocking revelation of living in a foreign country by myself for so long was it took me and it took me maybe five or six years to get to where I was like, Oh, people. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> That's almost disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> Humility and gratitude. Exactly. That is the cheat code. A B A B up, down, up, down, select, start. <laughs> Humility and gratitude will get you unlimited lives. Yeah. You know, you can mess nice. it up a million times. You got humility and gratitude. No problem. Here's mm. an extra. Here's a green mushroom. <laughs> <laughs> one yeah. one more time. Try it one more time. Yeah. Exactly. Just sort it out like everybody else. Um, I've, I've had a lot of fun talking to you, Chris, and I, I hope that maybe in the future we can do this again. Yeah. It'd be cool to connect. I have on my... I don't know if you saw my website well, on the front. I have links to your podcast, your website. Oh, I have your you. um your pictures on there and all that stuff. Like I I took I hope you don't mind, but I put your video on it too. So that when people no, go not there, at all. they can it's free content. Yeah, take it. Hear all that stuff right I worked away. hard for it. If you don't share it, <laughs> I'd be sad. No, I I mean life is life is really good and I I mean, there's big things happening here. And, um, you know, if if anybody has any questions about because I we went through so much, so much stuff and it leaves my story. When I start telling it, it seems like it leaves more empty spaces than it does answer questions. I know. Exactly. I, wait, well, yeah. Slow down. I have so many more questions right now. So, I mean, you're obviously free to message me anytime my facebook page is public so you can stalk me without even telling me and um <laughs> i just you know i just i don't know what i'm doing i'm just a person who just has an opportunity and took it and um i'm just so grateful to connect with you and to have this moment to to um get real with each other and i just love you and i think you're so great and um thanks for interviewing me thanks for taking the time to talk to me and care about my life here it's, it's right. cool that you care it's weird that you care because i'm just a person but it's so cool that you care and i'm so grateful yeah i think you're more than a person you're really amazing to me like the way just everything you do is just amazing and you can just see the light of christ just shine through you big time like i can just see god just ooze from you it's just amazing and it's an encouragement to just see everything you put up and I try to keep up with everything and it just, I get busy sometimes, but I try to keep up, but it's really amazing to watch.
what you do. And I hope you know that you're making a really good impact on people globally. And you're doing a lot for God's kingdom big time. Like God's, you're building God's kingdom big time for him. And I can just, I can't even imagine what's going to happen in the future three years. It's just going to be amazing. We're going to wrap it up here. Um, one thing I, I wanted to tell you is that anybody donates to me and they put in missions or your name, I want to give it directly towards you. Okay. And I want it to go to you. I don't know if anybody will, and I don't know how many will, but I know I have had some people donate to me on my website. So if anybody, whoever's listening and watching, if you feel led to help in any way and you donate to on my website, it'll go straight to you to help you in this endeavor, mission that you have in life. And I know that every little bit helps and I'm hoping people will. I'm really hoping, praying people will because not, I don't get, like I said, I don't get it all the time. But randomly, I'll be sitting there and all of a sudden I get a pop up my phone from the website like oh this such a donated this so so if you're listening make sure you put missions or um i don't know if i say your name right is it tenille is that Tenille, yeah tenille? Tenille. Good. okay so if you put in tenille or missions make sure you put that in so i know and i will send it to her too you're so Hopefully cool helpful. i Thank hope you so much i really hope people do but we'll see only you sure. only you chris would be like <laughs> I will send you money. Only you would do that. But um, but also for anyone listening, you do not need to do that. Right. You know what? I would want more than money. Follow me. Come on mm -hmm. Facebook and just get on this journey. I yeah, okay. It's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of there's a lot of things that happen here. But I'm also funny. I'm funny. You're so hilarious. and I try to make it like I do a lot of like community stuff but it's my personal facebook so it's a lot about like what i am going through it's not it's not a 50 cent a day commercial it's not you know i mean it's it's full of hope and life and joy and not super preachy you know my faith is my faith your faith is your faith we all got there on our own conclusions for our own reasons so like mm. you're welcome though and um it's just like there's some things that are coming up that I'm honestly myself I'm really excited about. Like mm. I'm not going to even say it, but like if if you enjoyed some of the stories that we've talked about today, I got stories for days. Like yeah. every day is here is that's my prayer is that God would just give me something good today. Like give me a story today, you know, and He's been really faithful about that. I feel like that's like one of those when you pray in, you know, in God's will. Yeah. And God like really loves a good story as much as I do. I mean, he wrote the book, right? Right. So right. I kind of, I want, I want people to follow me, not because of the finances, which is great. I can't mm -hmm. do anything without finances. That's, I mean, I would be silly to say otherwise, but because it's so much fun, yeah. you know, and it's like, it's real proper adventure. It's not, you know, screened through and, you know, edited out. It's like, this is really real. This is what's, mm -hmm. what is it really like if you've ever wanted to sell all you have 
and buy a one-way ticket to um, a developing country and give it all away. Like, this is what it's really like. Do you yeah. want to know what it's really like? You don't have to fall in those holes. You can just <laughs> join me. And honestly, Chris, if you ever wanted to come here, I would be happy to pick you up at the airport yes. and uh, bring your daughters and your dog, your beautiful dog. And um, you're welcome. Yeah, you're totally welcome. I mean, it's 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 not for the faint of heart. But yeah. you also, my friend, are not a faint of heart kind of person. So <laughs> I, think, I think you would enjoy it. I think you'd do well here. Yeah, it would be cool. I'd be interested. I've never really been out of the u.s unless you count seeing niagara falls in canada which i don't count because it's like right there but um canada. yeah yeah i've never been out of the u.s and you've I've never been out to. of north america let's say that right north america right but i would love i would love to be able to go to other countries and just see what it's like and the invitation experience. is absolutely open for you i'll have to i'll have to jump on that those planes and see what i can do if we can make that happen, that would be cool. But, uh, and listen, like today is one thing, but we got time. You know, yeah. I'm not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Who knows? Who, who knows? knows? Yeah. But maybe you'll be one of my stops in the future when I'm with my RV and stuff. <laughs> yeah. It'd be really bizarre. If you pulled up to my house in an RV, I'd be like, right. <laughs> that's random. <laughs> yeah. Like, how'd you Where get that you over here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. I just did it. I just put a raft on it and we just went for it. <laughs> right. Yeah, oh, hopefully that'd be cool one day. Bus. Yes. Oh, that's actually my dream vehicle is a, is a VW I can see bus. that. I can uh, totally see that. I VW love... bus. Even put the flowers on it. Like, yep. yeah. I don't my, I'll let my girls. I'll let my girls decorate it. Like, I don't care. This looks amazing. So yeah, so thank you again for doing this. This is yeah. an awesome and it's been great to talk to you and actually see you face to face and yeah. you know talk to you for once instead of just through texts. Yeah. But it's been awesome. Thanks for having Thanks for, me, Chris. I really appreciate it. And I hope to catch up with you again soon. And hopefully we can do like a follow-up interview in the future, maybe and hear some yeah, more totally. stories. And, yeah some updates yeah. and everything and that'd be really cool and i have it on my on my website when they um if you go to my website and you click on your picture it'll go directly to your facebook so people can follow you that is the that's basically magic to me <laughs> so it's pretty much like right there like right when you go it's ttimewchris.com you'll see updates and right there is your picture links to your podcast your everything so Make sure you guys go and follow, follow her and support her. And if you feel led to donate, like I mentioned before, it's been awesome. Thank you so much again. And Thanks. I hope you have an amazing rest of your day and Thanks. just enjoy your time with your girls and all that stuff. You have just listened to Tea Time with Chris. A podcast filled with hope, faith, joy, love, and occasional laughter. We hope you enjoyed it and continue to stay up to date with us at teatimewchris.com. God bless.